Hello and welcome to the Vesting Headlines Monday Night Raw review. My name is a very tired <laughs> Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available later in podcast form. And it's time to talk about Monday Night Raw. All my days. So, uh, we'll, we'll just say as well, uh, this is one of those weeks where wrestling, quite far down my list of stuff. <laughs> so I wanted to go through. And if, even at that WWE wrestling, yeah, I'm covering a G1 Climax right now. Whatever free time I've got. A bit dedicated to that. So when it comes to Monday Night Raw, my investment already isn't that high. Then we're in the middle of the crown jewel build, uh, the uh, uh, show in Saudi Arabia, where they, they have to kind of build it on the show. It's this really big deal. We get the impression sometimes that kind of don't really care but they've got to set it up so that when it comes to those crown jewel shows it's treated as a big deal and they can go back to Raw and say look we even built it on our telly show got all this to go back to however I'm not going to watch crown jewel <laughs> I've, I've only ever watched the first one felt so it's a mixture of ucky kind of wrong feeling in terms of the show itself in terms of just the what it's like the main reason for its existence was just all over that show and then the actual vetting link part of it as well, also not very good. <laughs> as in, ah, this is essentially a glorified house show. Cool. It's not for me. If I'm somebody in the crowd there, live in Saudi Arabia, I'll probably love it. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm not, I don't watch the Saudi Arabia shows. <laughs> it's the point I'm making. So this one I like more is chock-a-full of the build to crown jewel. So not only is my investment level low already, because <laughs> in terms of the wrestling world, keep on, I'm not American. This is not my number one wrestling, which is, I understand for some, it's quite difficult just to grab that WWE isn't your number one wrestling, even though it's what drew me in. It's like, no, it's a, like a worldwide thing. Your number one wrestling for your country isn't mine. That's not true. I didn't know we're on a similar level. The fandom's not that big. Point I'm making, I need to stop drifting off. Point I'm making, my investment level is already low. It's already low. Then I watch the tournament itself and I kind of slowly get to the point and it's just, what is this? <laughs> in terms of running a tournament like, like this on the show. We, uh, on Friday Night Snap, Smackdown, it began. And even before then, really, they announced these tournaments would be happening, but we weren't given any brackets, which is not a good sign. Because normally that means it's because they've not figured out the brackets. Because often you announce the brackets and the tournament at a similar point, unless you're just promoting a show. Like if you're promoting a location for the tournament to take place, like the Royal Rumble. They're WWE advertising the Royal Rumble on this show. Obviously, they're not going to announce the participants in it. <laughs> that, that type of thing. But to announce the actual tournament taking place, here's two of the matches. You know, that's, why are you only announcing two of them? Why aren't the brackets out? The likelihood is because they hadn't figured out the brackets. And when you haven't figured out the brackets, that often means you don't have a plan who's going to win. <laughs> Which isn't a great sign. It doesn't mean that's true. It just, there's a nature of unplannedness about a tournament, which is not a great feeling to be entering with. Then you watch it yourself, and all you have to do is watch the shows for yourself, watch the matches from SmackDown, watch the matches from here on more. It's very clear they just don't care about the women's tournament. And that's kind of... On this show, I'm asking the question, is the Queen's Crown tournament a failure? And obviously, it's not over yet, so it might be a bit early out of the days to say, well, if long-term, for example, it gives a massive push to Shayna Baszler and she runs off with it, then possibly it has served a purpose, therefore you can't really call it a failure, even if the tournament itself never held any momentum and sucked. At least it achieved something. <laughs> so you might have that. However, going off this first round, it screams that this is something that either Saudi Prince wants on, on his show, because this has happened before, is the other thing as well. We've had builds two things that kind of happen in the Saudi Arabia bubble, then once Saudi Arabia shows are over, 
They disappear forever. They are gone. The only one I can think of. For, for like, uh, the greatest Royal Rumble come and gone. The, uh, I swear there was something else as well that took place on the show that came and went. <laughs> I can't what it was. But then there was also, the only one that stuck was the uh, best wrestler in the world stuff for Shane McMahon with his trophy. That was the only one that stuck. All the others, the Saudi Baby Show happens and then this thing that's meant to mean a lot just disappears forever. This huge honor, the thing that's meant to be a massive honor, just gone. It's, it's just off it went. So there is that thing. This is building to a Saudi Arabia show. We have seen this. <laughs> we know what I. We know what throughout, throughout the history of these shows. We know what has come next on multiple occasions. You do these little tournaments. They build to the Saudi Arabia shows. What Saudi Arabia shows are done, never mentioned again. Never mentioned past that week. <laughs> they just disappear. Like the Braun Strowman uh, Greatest Royal Rumble Trophy was there for one week and then disappeared. You just assumed there'd be an, something with it, but now nah, gone. So it, it doesn't feel the greatest anticipation when you're watching a tournament taking place on the show and you see the, with the men's matches, they're getting a decent TV 10 to 15. Then you see the women's matches and four matches combined equals seven minutes and 13 seconds. That is insane. <laughs> so I'm not saying every match should be incredibly long. For example, personally, Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke being short when you specifically want to put Shayna Baszler over incredibly strongly isn't a bad thing, personally. But not having a single first round match go over three minutes is pretty bad. The, the closest <laughs> was, was, a match, was Natalia versus uh, Piper, Viper, whatever. She's gonna, what's a Dewdrop? That's it. I forgot her stupid name. <laughs> but wait, yeah, when that's the longest at two minutes fifty nine, that's not a great sign for investment of the overall tournament. And if you're looking for reasons, of, I feel like I just don't know why I don't really care that much. It's not the winners or any. I mean, partly some of the booking's really weird. <laughs> the SmackDown side, this Raw side, I thought was fine. You get Dewdrop through, you get Shayna Baszler through. That's solid. That is fine. The SmackDown one makes no sense. <laughs> it's arguably the least interesting outcome <laughs> to eliminate both of your baby faces. So it's just two heels and Selena Vega's not won a single match since she's returned. Or maybe, no, she's won one match via interference. Or DQ, I can't remember which one it was. It was a screwy ending. That's the only match she's won <laughs> where every where she, she's lost every other match and now she knocks out Tony Storm in like a minute. What is this? <laughs> oh, is it, the fact that they didn't Four matches don't even equal Xavier Woods versus Ricochet. Now, I'm not even going to go any further into any bigger matches. Xavier Woods Ricochet got more time than the entire first round. And I enjoyed Xavier Woods Ricochet. I'm more making this point of if you're trying to get us to care about a tournament, the reason I'm suddenly, I'm just like, this is going to disappear after Crown Jewel, isn't it? It's not going to be mentioned. It's not going to matter. It's not going to lead anything. This isn't going to be, you win this tournament, you get a number one contender stuff, which I would like, personally. Uh, like For me, the King, King of the Ring, my favourite one that I kind of look back on in history, is the Brock Lesnar one. I can't remember if Edge was the same as well. But where they where they win, they earn a title match at SummerSlam. And there were stakes, there was something on the line other than, I am king, and, the, or the, and you get crowned with a crappy uh, king gimmick. Which, to be fair... There hasn't. I'm trying to think of has there been an over and good king um, in the last decade? That decade, I think the answer is no, which is pretty bad. <laughs> but to be fair, they did them more. They didn't do them that often, which you know that's why there's not much to pick from. But King Sheamus, I didn't particularly like. I didn't like King Barrett, uh, King Corbin. 
um, to be fair, the King Corbin character is not in essentially it's not really uh, overall it's not really that bad but the booking around him was atrocious <laughs> in terms of go away turn off the show heat for me <laughs> so uh, and it was at that point where i was perfectly fine to do so because i had other wrestling like i wasn't quitting wrestling it's just well i'm not gonna watch this particular wrestling <laughs> but oh my word yeah i can't the the king of the ring is the thing the thing for me is you get laden with that king gimmick or maybe they do the queen gimmick so you start thinking who could work with this uh, in terms of predi- but in terms of predictions, the thing with it being Crown Jewel, and what we saw this past week on SmackDown is Crown Jewel, who gives a hell? It's a hell. It could be literally anybody. Literally anyone. <laughs> it could take this match. Doesn't matter. And that's the feeling I got from last week's SmackDown, is that it really didn't matter. Then I watched, but, but I did come out of it and I was thinking, you know what though? This is Raw. They've got a whole extra hour to run through. My, my assumption was, well maybe we'll just get longer matches on Raw. Yes, they were short on SmackDown, that sucked, but maybe they've either heard the criticism, or if they haven't heard the criticism, it's a longer show, so you get longer matches naturally anyway. I say, you got time for that to run out? Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> nah, different ideas. <laughs> uh, like Shayna Baszler, Dana Brooke, yet another sub-two-minute match, which, personally, out of the whole first round, this is the only one I would have kept at a two-sub-minute match because of the longer arc you are telling and have been telling before this tournament of dominant Shayna. You have her continue this exact kind of run all the way to the final. That is exactly what I would do. And last week, they set up a Baszler do-drop in the counter, which, again, I would run have Baszler win, but do-drop kind of elevates herself by having a good performance. That's what I would do. But there's something about this. <laughs> it's just like, oh no, this doesn't scream king or queen of the ring caliber of tournament that's going to elevate somebody. This screams random tournament that builds to Saudi Arabia and is completely forgotten about afterwards. It's like, oh no. <laughs> and I was calling this Saudi Arabia show where like, the actual card for it felt like it actually fed into what is going on in the wider universe of WWE a lot better than past shows. Because quite often they've just been in their own unique bubble. Then the show happens and the bubble pops. Well, there we go, back to what we were doing. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> but now, with with this, I, I was feeling positive about this. Not not Because I'm still not going to watch it. But I was like, actually, you know what? This feeds into what's actually going on a lot stronger than past Saudi Arabia shows. Or from the whatever country these random beautiful cities are in. Because they never say the name for PR reasons. Not a great sign for a 10-year deal <laughs> Where for the only one of your... Uh, this is now the fourth, third or fourth year? 18, 19, 20, 21, your four years. This is now your fourth year into the deal. And for three of those four years, for PR reasons, you can't say the name of the country you've got this massive deal with. Uh, yeah, anyway, and that will continue. Uh, but the, <laughs> the issue with this tournament is the way that it has been booked on these shows, it feels more... In terms of the attention given to it, it feels more like we've got to feature them on the show because we've got to do the tournament at Crown Jewel for whatever reason they've got to do it there. And it feels like they've been forced to do it. They don't really want to, which is so strange. Uh, it's like it's more for the PR thing of holding a women's tournament final in Saudi Arabia. So instead of there being one match on the card, there's two, which... It's it's not bad that that's happening, but of course the thing it's then used to further and promote. You can criticize that, but the actual it's still ha- it's still a thing that is happening, and that's a a positive. <laughs> it's difficult because it's 
it's thin praise because it is a big thing, but it's also the reason it's done isn't the best. But it's still a big thing. The big thing still happened, even though the reason for it is BS, but the thing still happened. <laughs> so is it good or not? <laughs> it's, uh, this, is a, this is a deep moral quandary. <laughs> and one of the reasons I don't watch the Crown Jewel shows, because uh, it's difficult to get invested when you're having moral quandaries. <laughs> and you're kind of like... Oh, actually, I just want to turn my brain off right now. <laughs> Some people can turn the brain off, and that's good to you if you can, and it's fine. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lamp on anybody watching these shows. That is absolutely fine. A lot of it, part of it is the intrigue on seeing what... Because I remember that first show, half the crowd, like people, like everyone on the front row, aside from the kids, they were just on their phone, having a casual chat like it was a dinner party. <laughs> it was so strange. <laughs> um, and if they continued like that, then... That is an attraction in itself. <laughs> just, just watching the dinner party on the front row from all the royal family and stuff as wrestlers are trying to grab their attention and put on a performance. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. Anyway, the tournament itself. So in terms of, is this tournament a failure? It comes with two halves. I mean, as a piece of television, it feels like a waste of time. It feels like they don't actually care about it. And especially if it is forgotten about after Saudi Arabia, then it, it was a royal waste of time, given it's King of the Ring, Queen of the Ring tournament. <laughs> it's a royal waste of time if they do that. However, if... if, if it depends what the, the other part of it is what they're setting out to do, which I don't actually know at this point. You can, you can have a crap tournament that does elevate somebody. That is still possible. The men's tournament has been given care... Um, I will say they broke basic storytelling things <laughs> on this show, even <laughs> the men's tournament, but the matches got time, they were fun enough, they built up hype gearing towards a big final match at some point, they got a big name like Finn Balor on the other side, but yeah, there's, there is at least something going into these matches. That said, it just screams everything about it, because <laughs> I, I don't know if failure is the word, as a tournament, you can get because again, fans get to see they they see brackets, they see these things, they get quite excited, but they start predicting. It's just naturally what fans would do. However, then the tour, things have taken place, and it's a massive letdown to see. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Just that that sudden switch, and then you realise it's just that thing of oh, I got excited over nothing. It's not. It's a it's a crappy feeling to suddenly go under a video game releases and it's broken. <laughs> it's like oh, that sucks. Is that it? It's obviously, you put that investment into there, it sucks when the thing given to you isn't very good. But the Queen's Crown Tournament, the first round, gave me an absolutely massive indicator that they don't care. So why would I care about the semi-final? How are you going to get me to care? And then, of course, in terms of, was it a failure? Well, it depends. Are you literally just doing this so that PR-wise you can say you had a female tournament final on a Saudi Arabia show? Is that it? Because then you can't call it a failure because they did achieve that. It's just that the TV time to build to it was a massive waste of time. <laughs> oh, to be fair, not massive though, because that's the whole point. Didn't get any time, and that's that's created that whole other chatter of the women deserving a lot more time, which obviously they do. <laughs> that was, again, I just assumed coming to Monday Night Raw, you book the show like SmackDown, but you do it on Raw. It makes sense that women would just that's where you put the time immediately. Put that time into the women's matches. It wasn't even a consideration for me. I wasn't even considering that these matches would be the exact same amount of time. We wouldn't even break eight minutes. We only just broke seven. That's insane. In terms, of, in terms of building investment for a tournament, every one of your matches is under three minutes. That tells me they don't matter. It, it just that you are, in terms of in terms of um, film language, TV show language, what you're showing the audience when you don't. 
when you give me a little amount of time to invest in every single match, that tells me the ton as a whole, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, that obviously sucks. <laughs> sucks for the women. And uh, there were reports on Friday of a bit of unhappiness backstage. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's, the, it's the first ever Queen's ver uh, female version of the King of England tournament, the Queen's Crown. That should be a massive deal. But then every single match is under three minutes. That's not a massive deal. And of course, the counter I've already seen is, oh, but they did feature uh, a longer women's segment in the women's tag match. Well, yeah, of course they did. But they also want me to care about this Queen's Crown tournament. Just, in, just, in, it's just even if it's men's, if it did this for the King of the Ring, if they had every match be short, I'd be like, oh, I like the King of the Ring. That sucks that all these matches are short. But the fact it's the first female one and all of the matches are really short, like diva piss break levels of length of match, is like, that is worrying. <laughs> Absolutely worrying for the rest of the division. That that's the time they are given for every match. And... Again, even if it... Because my kind of mind look at it is, well, this clearly just tells me they don't care about the tournament. This isn't them giving some commentary to the female wrestlers uh, as saying this is where we value. It's, this is where we value this specific tournament. And they don't care. Like they're forced to do it. <laughs> That's what this screen. We'll, we'll waste as little TV time possible building to this thing because we don't actually care. But they get the massive PR bonus of doing the final in the Saudi Arabia show. Cool. <laughs> that balancing act uh, but anyway yeah so uh, we had Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke let's quickly go through the two of them so first match no entrance Dana as well like doesn't bode well for the length of this match <laughs> uh, Smackdown also proved that literally anyone could win in true who cares booking fashion it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter does it the match taking place is the only thing that matters who cares who's in the final I'm not going to use it <laughs> that's what it screams uh, yeah yet another sub two minute women's tournament match and this when it hit me, it was like, this is insane. Why are you even doing the tournament when you care so little? And then the brain starts to think, oh yeah, there are bigger reasons to do this tournament other than the tournament being an entertaining bit of television. <laughs> and as they're not doing the entertaining bit of television half, it starts to think of the outside reasons why they would do this. Uh, and then we flash forward to the final match before the main event in Dewdrop versus Natalia. But did the final first round match last longer than two minutes? Yes, it did. Oh, well done. It went past two minutes. God, congratulations. Finally, they're giving the women an extra minute. <laughs> one extra minute. It was two minutes 59. <laughs> not even that. Not Technically, not even one extra minute, but I'm feeling I'm bit, being a bit pedantic, so I'll call it a minute. It's like, oh, it's, it's not much better. <laughs> not going to lie. The women's entire first round cracked seven minutes and 13 seconds. Absolutely insane. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, an absolute shame. And uh, is it a failure? Well, we've only done round one, but my investment has absolutely tanked. And that's why I did that thing at the start, like just to let you know, my investment is low anyway. Not watching Crown Jewel, got a million things going on. Wrestling-wise, my wrestling time is taken up by covering the G1 Climax. Then we come to Monday Night Raw, and when my investment's already low, they the TV show informs me, hey, you don't need to be invested in this, doesn't really matter. It was like, oh, that obviously not just sucks for me, the viewer, then me as the, the more hardcore wrestling fan also has that reaction of, well, that sucks for the wrestlers who I would assume would treat this as a massive deal, the first ever women's King of the Ring. And it's this. <laughs> it's like, oh, that must sting. Um, but yeah, then just just the just as the viewer part, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's not entertaining television because you're telling me it doesn't matter. So I'm not invested. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, that sucks. Oh, I like being invested in tournaments. Tournaments are great. They're not great when you're telling me they don't matter and giving me one to two minute matches. It's like, ugh, okay, fine, fine. Ah. But yes, in terms of like Raw as well, I might as well get into the Raw review as a whole now. That, that's my moan out of the way <laughs> for that one. Uh, it was a fine episode. I say fine and also they incredibly across this show, they managed to feel like they were setting up big things but also feel like it was a show that accomplished absolutely nothing. You can, even if you are an avid viewer of Monday Night Raw, you can skip this show, it doesn't matter. And I don't mean that in a negative, oh, you need to skip it. I mean, like, nothing happened. You can watch next week and nothing's happened. And uh, that's, I remember when I was doing, like, way before video times, but, like, my initial, I think during lockdown when I first started doing these reviews, I would just say, like, when Saudi Arabia's on, you can just leave and then come back once the Saudi Arabia show's done. Because then they'll actually be kicking back into gear, and anything vital that you miss, you will be like recapped on. But whilst the Saudi Arabia shows are on, like a little bubble kind of forms around the three weeks around the Saudi Arabia show, and whilst that bubble's intact, and it's from when the draft happens, do the draft, and then from the draft to Saudi Arabia, you can just stop watching the show because a little bubble happens, and then when the show's over, the bubble pops, and they get back to what they were doing. So you've not missed anything, especially as the draft kicks with this new format with the draft kicks in for Saudi Arabia. Watch the draft shows, which I ran on <laughs> previously. <laughs> I called it crap, but still watch the draft shows, especially if you're an avid viewer of WWE. But as soon as that show has happened, just leave. Don't come back until after the Saudi Arabia show, and then it will resume as if you've not missed anything. Because that's And I didn't want to be proven right on that. I wanted to enjoy it. I was like, no, they're doing King of Queen of the Ring tournaments. This is surely worth my time. No, no, no it was not. <laughs> Maybe just watch the two King of the Ring tournament matches. And the best way to enjoy them as well is to miss the outside build they were doing with Kofi and Xavier because they caught Chekhov's gun and just then they just showed footage later of them putting it, putting it away. <laughs> just, ah, it's not going to use it. She's not going to use it. <laughs> it's like, that's... Oh, my word. <laughs> Oh, the, the film production uni student part of my brain just crumbling. It's like, what do you mean you're just going to put the gun back in the drawer and leave it? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, I'll get to that when I get to that. If you don't know that, if you don't know what I'm on about with that saying, I'll explain it <laughs> later. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Uh, uh, but yeah, you can just leave. It doesn't matter. And this show what, screams tournament matches and wheel spinning. Uh, join us next week for what will surely be another Hours on the Vince cycle. It's like... Oh, just skip these shows. There's no you don't do you don't need to watch them. You're not missing anything. <laughs> Seriously, I I will give you my review for next week's show. It'll be this again. It'll be tournament matches and wheel spinning. Trying to also trying to get you invested in the Crown Jewel show. Which obviously the thing that really doesn't help me is I'm not watching the Crown Jewel show. So any hype towards it does nothing for me because they're not going to get me to watch the show, because I decided before any build happened I wasn't going to watch it. And I decided years ago, and it's not shifted. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, that is my uh, full-on review, yeah. Tournament matches and wheel spinning, that's what we're in for. Some tasty, lovely, tasty Saudi Arabia limbo. Mmm, just that. <laughs> that. That with the draft taking place, but we have a two-week crown jewel window before it all kicks in. A show that somehow managed normal pattern of, in its own little bubble, whose arcs all pop and disappear when it's done. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, 
Let's watch a Monday Night Raw building to a show I'm not going to watch. What is wrong with me? <laughs> it's the October 10th Monday Night Raw. A show that really did feel like a long lot of nothing. Really impressive. As in, to have three hours and to me have gone, nothing happened. Like, you're serious? Nothing happened. <laughs> ben, what? Nothing happened? How did it... It's been three hours. How's nothing happened? How am I leaving the show with my action of... Yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> and I've got to do. I've got to do an audio review. I've, and I've got nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened. I can talk about who qualified for matches. But it's like, apart from criticizing certain things, it's not really got much to say because nothing happened. <laughs> I'm not leaving the show. Going, oh my god, they set up this. They set up that. Like seriously, my reactions after leaving an AEW Dynamite show and leaving a Raw show. It's insane. It, obviously, I don't. I'm not talking about show quality. I'm literally just talking about. Like bits of news leaving the show. I left AW last week going, oh my word, there's so much to be excited about. They set up this, they set up that, they gave us this and that. I came out of Raw, I wasn't even thinking about AW because it's on Saturday night. And sometimes on a Tuesday, I'm thinking about Thursday, but it's not till Saturday. I can't cover Dynamite this week. Can't do this. So my next show is going to be Raw next week. I get a full week off. But my main point <laughs> is I left Raw and I was just like, generally, I've got nothing. I guess I'll talk about the Queen's. Crown, <laughs> just, that's that's a crappy feeling to be leaving a show with. Like genuinely nothing. Just don't watch the show till after Crown Jewel, which is the same thing I've said for every Saudi Arabia kind of two week bubble. Just don't watch it. Anyway, started off with Drew McIntyre. Drew indulging on his penultimate night on the Red One. Uh, Big E cuts off his story. I do love that he's not changed his style as he's become champion. And talking about champions. The sweat all dripping betwixt his nipples. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I love he's not changed. And seeing the success he's having is, is all the better for it. I was always somebody, I've always loved the New Day. I've got a New Day mug, which I drink my tea with regularly. <laughs> I love me some New Day. I could watch them, them be on the same page and act, be that act forever. And the fact that they have done that, oh yeah, right up my street, right up my street. But... Uh, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy he hasn't shifted. Uh, Drew also with his patented, like, hot main lad fire. Only issue is, with him being drafted off the show, it's basically a 100% chance he loses. <laughs> so, so, ah, yes, you're trying to convince me to buy into this hot fire match for a pay-per-view that I'm not going to watch and I already know the result of. <laughs> so, or uphill, uphill. The, literally the only thing drawing in the fan is Drew McIntyre versus Big E. Whoa, that'd be a good match, wouldn't it? And we go, yeah. But he can't convince us. <laughs> we, we know the result ahead of time. <laughs> it's on a pay-per-view where, uh, it, because of the climate and atmosphere, it's not going to be at its best. So we'll likely see a better version of this down the line. So I'm not excited about it. And and also, I'm not, I'm not watching the show. So yeah, pretty massive personal investment barrier. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> pretty hefty. Uh, but that's when the Usos came out, as we're apparently in uh, this draft purgatory of uh, just folk just turning up at different shows. But the rules they set with the draft has happened, but it doesn't. But the actual changes don't take effect until after Crown Jewel. So you're going to get the same shows until then. What's actually happened is, for some random reason, people have been able to float about as if the whole product's in limbo. But it's never anybody who got. Obviously, it's some people who've been drafted from one show to the other are remaining on one show. But people who were never on Raw are also drifting in in the Usos. <laughs> it's like, it, it, their character reason for coming in, I actually liked. I was perfectly fine with that. 
it makes sense on multiple levels. What if Drew McIntyre becomes WWE champion? Survivor Series is round the corner. Roman Reigns is going to have to fight whoever wins this match. It makes sense for the Usos to kind of do this sort of thing. But it does completely break the draft rules that were set in place. As in, you break in your own draft rules, <laughs> which you set up. And next week, Roman's coming on the show. So the rules you established aren't the rules you're then using. Just It's just a little world-building thing. And it yes, it's a little thing. But the fact that they would, the fact that they're doing it, speaks to a bigger picture, a bigger problem. If you say a thing, and then you can just do whatever you want, the thing, the thing you had said doesn't actually matter. So say it on the telly show. You, you can then amend it. There's such thing as amendments. <laughs> you can do this. So actually, we've allowed people to be a bit more loose, and they can disappear on the show, whatever shows they want for a little bit ahead of uh, Crown Jewel. It's fine. The, the draft has happened. Just this little weird limbo period. I'm calling it the draft limbo or draft purgatory, whatever you want to call it. No one said this on the show. <laughs> this is just me making sense of it. <laughs> There's been no addressing to it. It's just, get excited, guys. These people are here. And that's it. It's just <laughs> no thing but their Smackdown people. Why are they here? It's like, ah, they just are. It's cool, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but what, why? <laughs> uh, character reason, though, it makes sense. And it's like, oh. The other thing, after setting up the women's tag team match for later, it's like, it, this is just screaming, will they coexist week? Or like, I don't know, just do tag matches featuring the people. All right. <laughs> At least I'll say again, I do like the Usos reason. It does make sense that this match would concern the Tribal Chief over on SmackDown. So there is logic to them appearing. So it's ultimately a thumbs up, really. <laughs> in spite of the, but it doesn't make in the, the rules of the world that you set up, you are breaking the rules of your own world to set up this thing that makes, which character wise makes sense. But the rules of your world are being broken. So, uh, And in terms of storytelling, breaking the rules of your own world regularly means that your world has no structure. It has no meaning. It's just things happening at that point. With no, with, and it really puts a dampener on investment when it's just things happening. Anything can happen. But that's because the world has no rules. It's just Think people doing things, <laughs> which is a lot less exciting than, <laughs> than uh, the rhyme and reason being there. Anyway, after this, we got our first little thing: New Day in Gorilla. Because there's a whole thing with the Usos and stuff, and it's just so weird that oh wait, no, they they were in Gorilla the entire time. Why are they staying there for what happened <laughs> earlier with the whole uh, Biggie Joe? Well, of course, the, the big taken waypoint before I move on as well, was that Big E and Drew were talking to each other the entire time, not agreeing. Whenever Big E would say, well, I'm gonna, if I could speak for the former WWE champion, he's like, and Drew's like, you certainly cannot, mate. <laughs> Big E's like, well, I'm bloody going to. Um, Don't you dare, pal. I was like, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, watch me. <laughs> it's essentially the dynamic they've got. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, New Day in Gorilla. The entire time this was going on, it's like, New Day, not only are they on Raw and they didn't use them, they're literally right behind the curtain <laughs> of this big E tag match. It, it was never even touched upon. However, that's not the takeaway I had. That was me uh, noticing people say that on Twitter afterwards. What I saw <laughs> was a crouching man, <laughs> just blatantly crouching, like, talk, like he's talking to a child, crouching down like he's talking to a child. <laughs> it's like, oh... You're doing this to try and make your wrestler big. You've done the exact opposite. When my thing is, he's, he's crouched down like he's talking to a child. Uh, I will say, I did like Woods and Kofi just giggling and leaving when asked what might happen if they face each other in the King of the Ring. Which takes me to the King of the Ring. This was them cocking the gun. 
it's Chekhov's gun. The rule of Chekhov's gun. You show the gun, and you having shown the gun builds up the tension because the viewer knows there is a gun. But you do have to fire it. <laughs> it's the point. So again, uh, you see the gun, you're expecting the gun, you've been, up, you've been built up to see the gun fire, and then the gun does fire later. Chekhov's gun, you've introduced the gun. WWE have done this before, but this was just, it just hit me on this show. They got out Chekhov's gun, and they copped it. <laughs> they brought it up. They said, well, what's going to happen if you and Kofi face each other? I was like, uh, and they giggled and they left. I was like, that's the gun presented. Then Xavier Woods beats Ricochet, which I'll get to in a second. Then the interviewer again addresses it, <laughs> and he says, okay, I've got a gun, cocks the gun, <laughs> what happens if you two face each other? So, oh, it's fine, fine, and they leave. And then, the audacity of WWE, they then took that gun that they had just cocked before the match, and they just uh, did a shot where they just show you them just putting the gun away. Just put it in the, put it, just put it in the drawer. Just go to a desk drawer, put it away, just lock it, leave. Just leave the room. We're going to properly leave the room. <laughs> the gun that, you know, that, that that gun we cocked earlier? First we showed you the gun. Then we cocked the gun before. Okay, this is the match now. This is the thing. We set it up earlier. You know, they did a bit where, okay, yeah, yeah, this is the bit where the gun's going to be used. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we're going to put the gun away, though. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you get to that moment where you're expecting it to be fired, and instead you get a shot on it being put away. Oh, we get to, actually no. You get a, yeah. I, I think that's it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Still, it's so bad. So basically, what they in terms of this, what was the gun being cocked? It was the Xavier words versus Kofi Kingston storyline? Basically, they said to us, "Oh, what happens when this happens?" Is that like, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? They set up the possibility of it happening. Then they before Kofi Kingston versus Jinder Mahal, they brought it up again in a thing of not the not only have they set it up, they've put it forward as a real possibility. At this point, you do the match. Because you've, <laughs> you've given the possibility, you've set it up, and you've given the strong possibility as it happening. Whereas in just asking the questions, what will happen if you face each other? But it's just, then it's not done. It's not bothered. Not bothered with it. I said, actually I said I sh they then showed a shot of them putting it in the drawer. They didn't even do that. They just, they never brought the gun again. It's it never fired. You it, it never saw it again. Never saw it again. <laughs> It was shown, it was cocked, and then it just it never fired. You've built up the audience expectation at that point to then just not use it. That's so strange. So and it, and again, this is me not. It's not me saying they had to do this match. This is me saying because you teased it on the show, because you talked about the possibility of it not once but twice. You told us about it, then you reminded us about it to then not do it is shit storytelling. <laughs> it's just shit. <laughs> it's the best way best way for me to put it. It's, it you set up all the expectation and then you just not delivered. Seemingly on purpose. You know what you're doing. It's like, oh, the crowd will be against it if we tease it and give it them. That's just, no. <laughs> That's just bad writing. I don't care about Jinder Mahal type of thing. You, the, int the, audience in the audience interest was built up to that singles not match, not by just themselves, not by looking at the brackets and going, oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? And we built up our own anticipation. No, you did it on your show. <laughs> you said, wouldn't this be interesting? And then later went, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? And then immediately after, just didn't, I'm not going to give it you, though. <laughs> so what is this? <laughs> oh, it's just, 
AI grinds my gears. Just the basic fundamentals. <laughs> it's just or just not there. What is this? Uh, anyway, the matches themselves. So Xavier Woods versus Ricochet. I really enjoyed. They gave 10, 10-15 uh, minutes to this one. A yeah, generally a really strong match. Just it's a tournament setting allowing for the unique pairing of a face versus face fun first round bout. Nowadays. It's just a treat to see Ricochet as well. This is wheel him out. He'll have a great match, but they he can do some amazing athletic things, but they don't want to do anything with him. He just pff, off he goes. Uh, last time we saw him, he was in a no finish one minute twenty four seven match. But you know, maybe once every couple of months we get to see him in an actual contest, and we're like, ah, oh, he can do those cool flips that Ricochet. And then off he goes into the sunset because they he can put on a great match. He's perfect for a King of the Ring tournament. However, they have absolutely no desire to use him. This is, oh, cool. A man who, without question, well, it's not even in the de debate for me. If he were in AEW, he would be a featured attraction. I'm not saying main eventer, but the way AEW books where they rest people and cycle them through, he would easily be a featured attraction, main eventing, sh ev ev like, odd shows. Which, or at least having featured matches, be it on Dynamite or Rampage. The point being, he wouldn't be in 24-7 stuff and then having actually a decent contest in King of the Ring contest <laughs> do we do that before disappearing again I, uh, if he, I don't think he'll be on Raw next week that's my prediction as well making a few predictions don't know we do this <laughs> my, my, my prediction of next week's show will feel almost identical to this one and Ricochet won't be on it <laughs> my two things and then I feel like not, I'm not going for high end stuff like, I don't know I'm not going to make major predictions uh, no, these are all like low level things <laughs> that don't really matter oh is, is that if I reached that point where I found the show so disinteresting that I started gambling on what's going to happen? This broken me that much. Uh, anyway, yeah, the men's half of the Royal Outing continues that SmackDown momentum of giving the lads time to have a solid match. Uh, also, my first time seeing the crowns themselves, they look a bit cheap, a bit, a bit like cheap Burger King trash. <laughs> it's like, oh dear. Uh, but generally, this was a really solid TV match. Uh, as uh, as has happened again and again with modern WWE. The product is at its best when they just put the amazing talent in the ring and have them do a wrestle. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, Ricochet with a late match burst and successive dives. Woods reads the third, steps sides to capitalise, back into the ring and a springboard diving elbow win, which I think he calls the up-up-down-down down elbow. I think. Or is it just the up-up-down-down? Down? I can't remember. I need to look that up. Oh, but still. Yeah. St strong match. The men's tournament, both matches got time. And they were able to evolve. It was a decent match. So, yeah, there's that. Actually, I'll go to the second match now, just so I've gone through it. With Jinder Mahal versus Kofi Kingston. We'll say, Kofi, the one man that should never win King of the Ring. He has explained himself why. If you want to go source that audio clip, <laughs> you can probably figure it out yourself. Uh, not forgetting everybody who wins the King of the Ring gets a King gimmick. You can probably figure out why they shouldn't give a King gimmick to Kofi Kingston. It's pretty blatantly in front of you. <laughs> he will never win the tournament. <laughs> uh, but a shame they built up on all of that intrigue on a possible Kofi versus Xavier semi-final to then not deliver it. You're hyping a thing that's not going to happen. Example number 476 of WWE Can't Tell Stories. If you show the gun, then you show the gun again and you cock it. You better bleeding fire it. <laughs> it's just... Don't then just... Do nothing with this cocked gun. <laughs> it's just my word. My word. Uh, but yeah, Jinder Mahal won. There's was, was a lot of chaos going on and they did, in the beginning of this closing sequence, they had Mahal with a false win finish. And I was like, oh, okay. It was just a tease of Mahal winning. What they're actually going to do now is kind of just 
dance around a little bit more. Kofi Kingston hits Joel in Paradise. You give us the thing that you you caught the gun. You're now going to fire it and go. Oh look, we're doing the thing. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They showed us that earlier. They're doing it now. Cool. Yeah, he set us up for it. Perfect. They're nice. Nah, they subverted expectation. <laughs> Which I'm doing that in quotation marks because this screams. This what's this is what they think they're doing. This isn't subverting expectation. This isn't slyly leaning the audience one way and then doing something else, as in getting them to expect something to happen, but not flat out telling them this is the thing we're setting up. But then you go somewhere else and you kind of swerve them a bit. This is not that. You have told them to expect this thing, then you've not given it them. That's not swerving expectations. (laughs) Uh, That's not following up on a setup. Two very different things. Oh, it hurts my brain. Again, the best way to enjoy WWE is, especially if you're somebody who, like, you're not somebody who revels in either film language or the artistic merits of making a movie. You don't go, oh, that's a great script or anything like that. <laughs> you don't. When you watch a film, you never say the phrase, oh, that was well written, that was really good. If you never say that sentence, if you're somebody who watches a movie and you can just enjoy any old trash because you just enjoy the pretty lights, any action film, doesn't matter. If you see a review of a two out of five action film, you're like... Not even ironically, I will enjoy this. Like, genuinely, I just enjoy the pretty lights. There's nothing ironic about this. Then you will like Raw. It's the, the best way to watch this show is either not watch it and cl- catch the random clips on YouTube, or watch it because you enjoy the pretty lights and you are almost on studio command. Cheer for the thing. Because that's all I want. Just, but you like the thing, right? Cheer for the thing. Why do you need any, Why do you need it? Do you need it to make sense? Just cheer the thing. You like the thing, right? We're doing the thing. Cheer the thing. <laughs> so, oh, fine. Oh, that's the best way to watch this show. I'm not that person. <laughs> if you, if anyone has done any form of creative work, <laughs> be it, be it even a painter, be it anything, somebody who back in the day did a random tune with. On Garage Band, I can't remember what I was trying to say. Something like that. <laughs> Just anyone, anything creative. Ugh, you're going to struggle with this. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's not good. It's the best way to put it. And, and, and the worst, worst thing for me is, in the past they've shown me they can do it, but for the past few years, they, they're just inept, they come across as inept. And But there's glimpses that they can. That's the most breaking thing, because the thing I'm going to get into next is also just like a rush nonsense, essentially. So Ali and Mansour versus Benjamin and Alexander. Our faces out, worrying sign number one, Ali and Mansour are out to no reaction. Why are they out to no reaction? Because they've been on a massive losing streak in short matches, setting up, uh, it's reasonably setting up Gaza and Carrillo, but their matches against uh, the Retribution guys, that was also in Mason T-Bar, they were also mostly pretty short, maybe giving small character beats, quite often in the death slot on the show, without much momentum. They come out, quickly have the match and go away again. They were never really given any time. Then they started losing. After not being given time, they then had equally short matches and started losing. Uh, so when they come out, yeah, no reaction. I personally love them both. I think they're really good. <laughs> uh, I think Mustafa Ali is one of the one of those people where if he leaves, he becomes a top guy. Just, there's no better way to put it. In in WWE, he's so massively undervalued and he's such an incredible talent. It makes absolutely zero sense to me that you do not push this guy in some manner. <laughs> Don't have to push him as a main event person, but to not use, it's hard to use him at all, an absolute crime. If he leaves WWE, wherever he goes, he's a star. 
there's no better way for me to put it. Uh, Mansour, one of the most likeable people I've ever seen in my life. He's just so, such a chirpy, happy personality. <laughs> he goes across us. And uh, yeah, he's such a natural baby face, which is so difficult to come across. As in, generally, as a human being, he just comes across as a baby face, naturally. Just the way he holds himself, the way he walks, just every little detail is like a natural at it. Like, incredibly talented at that aspect. Uh, but uh, they haven't built anything for this Saudi Arabia show. That's so weird. Uh, suddenly we get to this show, and now it's rushed. Like you ha- this show didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> it's quite the other thing as well. This Surely this Ali Mansour pairing was put together so that Mansour could get a little build with somebody, and then he can trigger a breakup so that they could then have the match at Saudi Arabia. However... This, suddenly they've only done it with like a week to go and now the show's next week <laughs> and they've just done this suddenly it's like oh no build no momentum or build but shows don't appear out of nowhere you knew this show was coming and you still didn't build for it <laughs> what is wrong with you uh, anyway yeah it sucks for them both that they've got no reaction I think they are both really talented but it says a lot that they've been booked to have no momentum so of course the fans treat them as two people without momentum why they're going to cheer for them. Or really character. They've not really developed much since feuding with T-Bar Mace. Anyway. But you want to know what doesn't suck? The Hurt Business. And they're back together. It's awesome. And seeing them pick up wins as well. That is also good. It's just that I would prefer it wasn't against Ali and Mansour. But the whole point on this show was to give the two a reason to break up. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The Hurt Business should have been a group that were on top this entire year. But alas. Uh, yeah. Ali, Ali and Mansour with loss after loss. And booked in short matches. Sort almost nothing matches both these lads are great no wonder they're getting no reaction when the bucket's been so nothing yeah after the match Ali pushes down Mansoor like I mean I love the pairing but if WWE has no plans for them I guess why not set up a crown jewel match <laughs> so yeah that's the momentum to roll into a match on yeah uh, wait, they, and they waited all the way to the pre-main event backstage but to give us the proper breakup as well it's just oh this it's a shame it's such a shame and the weirdest thing about it is you go to Saudi Arabia with Mansoor. Yes, you can feature Mansoor on the show and say that he's got this massive momentum. You can give him another win on the Saudi Arabia show. They see their home guy win. It's a big deal for... It'll be, be, be a big match on the show itself. But what sucks, because I, I generally do believe <laughs> that both these guys are great. What sucks is on Raw, on the show itself, it's been given no momentum. It's been carried like it doesn't matter. And that sucks because on the Saudi Arabia show, we treated like an absolutely massive deal. I honestly wouldn't mind <laughs> seeing a similar treatment on Raw. Like, I think that's the other part of it as well. Is if if it's like their hands are being forced to do things they don't want to do. But at least why not put in the effort to try and make us Western fans care as well? Just you know, it screams things are happening on this Saudi show. We apologise. We're just going to have to feature it on Raw for this little while. We're we're so sorry. It's like uh, no. no just put effort in. <laughs> just put some effort in. It'll be all right. I don't want to watch crap television. Featuring on the show, put some effort in. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Anyway, uh, we'll just appraise between uh, this and Vidal versus Omos. Or whatever that ended up being. Uh, Charlotte Flair cut a promo. Because throughout the show, they had the competitors in the ta- women's tag match cutting little promos. They were mostly pretty fine. Uh, however, the Charlotte Flair one was a little bit interesting because it was setting up intrigue. Of course, as I have already addressed on this show, they blade, they were in front of you cocking the gun, going, oh, wouldn't this be interesting? And then 
didn't fire it. <laughs> so, this is them cocking another gun. They're teasing something else. Charlotte Flair talking about wanting to, like, Naito two belts to have both the Raw and Women's Smackdown... Uh, Raw Women's Smackdown. <laughs> Raw and Smackdown Women's Championships. And unite them both and unify them into a unified women's title. And, and suddenly, I'm like, that is a very interesting idea. And if the idea of this, because this happens quite often, where they'll just float an idea, just float it and see how they take it. Are they interested in this? Uh, yeah. Mostly because the divisions are so incredibly thin that Monday Night Raw, uh, before the draft, Monday Night Raw was well, awful. Just, but, I mean, the big part of it's the booking. It doesn't matter how many people you feature. <laughs> if the actual booking behind it is still trash, then I'm not going to get invested. If your idea for the feud is to show us the same two people wrestling and interacting every single week without a break and not really interacting with much any and any other people, after a certain time out of time, I'm just going to get tired of it. And you have to roll in somebody new. <laughs> this is just how it works. If that's the way you're going to write your stories and compensate for it by uh, uh, getting used to the fact I'll get tired of it. <laughs> As a viewer, you just, yeah, you're not mixing it up enough. So obviously I'll get tired. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, but I, Charlotte Flair couldn't... It suddenly there's intrigue there. So, oh, that's an interesting idea of Charlotte Flair as a Royal Women's Champion versus SmackDown. And he can do that at Survivor Series, which is right around the corner. Mm. Actually have the titles on the line. It's not just champions facing each other. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, it would. It would be interesting. But you know what else? You know what else? I have, after this show, I've shown you have the ability to massively tease something and then just ignore it. So, when you start, when you tease something, <laughs> why am I going to hold any weight to it? Words mean nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move. I mean, that's the biggest lesson from this show: is the words said the things they don't mean anything. So why would I then hold weight to a big tease? If you've shown me on this show that the words don't hold weight, why would I pay attention to your words? It's <laughs> just a little thought. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Riddle versus Omos with AJ Styles. And uh, yeah, so Riddle earlier on was telling Vandy, he's just like, I've got a plan. I've booked a match with Omos. And I've got this amazing idea. Uh, it's all what you did last week. And I've got a set up. Uh, Vandy obviously not on the plan. Riddle, Riddle not quite understanding Vandy's plan from last week. He's like, yeah, you can't just book yourself into a beating when Orton's not privy beforehand to then do something. Uh, yeah. Getting the match bit, but forgetting to share the plan bit. <laughs> silly, ah, oh, silly riddle. Uh, uh, we don't know why Orton did what he did, but he took his sweet ass time. He let he let Riddle get the hell beaten out of him before sneaking in and arcing AJ. Um, yeah, AJ. So Riddle's in, in there trying to get ready to come out, and AJ's going to referee like, "Come on, he's obviously stalling." <laughs> I love it when AJ's like this. It's the heel feeling like it's injustice upon him. It's like, he's obviously stalling. Why aren't you doing anything? Just shouting into the microphone. Even San Francisco gets it, and they're not the smartest. Don't do that bit in the UK. We will all just clap, chant, we are stupid. <laughs> just That's immediately into our wheelhouse. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway, Omos making quick work of Riddle, uh, but AJ taking the opportunity to make the lad suffer a beating. Slams down for the win, but AJ's like, nah, tall man, showcase that cool roundhouse kick you've got. It's like, yeah. Well, it was a relatively normal kick with a bit of a spin to it, uh, but I liked AJ's reaction to it. <laughs> and before replaying it again and again for the heat... And the setup for Andy to come into RKO. And I'm like, you're replaying something again and again for the heat. 
I'd call this a self-aware bit, but I doubt they actually know they're doing it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. Anyway, to be fair, I didn't mind the kick. It looked fine. Anyway, AJ calling for the CB, which is his two-handed chokeslam. Nabbing the win, but the post-match beating never happened with Randy Orton's theme music playing. Uh, AJ getting Omos to cover the different exits uh, when uh, they do the close shot of AJ, so you know what's happening now. We're covering all, trying to cover all sides for a sneaky Viper, uh, but Omos is not the all-seeing eye, and Orton slips into the ring for an RKO to AJ for the second week in a row. Uh, obviously, it's that thing of they do the close thing so the guy can come in and RKO them. Um, Personally, if you're going to do that, I maybe would prefer to see the wide shot of Vandy getting in. Because it, it screams camera trickery. So when you're not doing camera trickery and it's quite cool that he just gets behind them and slips and hits the RKO, just, just show it. <laughs> just show it. It's a lesson they've not learned. They, where they go for like, the close-up or they start cutting loads and a complete um, unawareness that that makes it seem camera trickery or fake. Big, big example, Braun Strowman flipping over the truck. When I watched it live, it was it screamed camera, camera trickery. This isn't real. There's a reason you're cutting so many times, and that's because you're hiding the fact there's some kind of device in operation here. That is why, as in, Boris German isn't actually flipping that truck. That's why you're cutting so often. Nah, he flipped a truck. <laughs> there's no complex workings around it. There was no device. Like, literally, a really big man came about, and he flipped over a truck. The single shot of it is absolutely incredible. It's insanely impressive. Like, kudos to Strowman for being able to do that. But they cut so often, they this is, it made it feel like it was fake. <laughs> Which is insane. He did this really incredible thing and then just cut around it like you are hiding some form of trickery. It's like, uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, Orton hit the RGO and AJ for the second week. Uh, that's the thing that actually matters there. <laughs> uh, even though the logic, they're just thinking of, well, why do you wait so incredibly long? Is like, and they're treating it, oh, it's another amazing plan from uh, Vandy. And that's what they're leaving the segment with. And I'm just sat there going, if I was Riddle, I'd be expecting, if if I'm using my kind of what happens to the characters kind of thing, what, should, what comes next after that, my assumption would be Riddle feels a bit aggrieved next week. But given what the common, if and but often if you're un, if you're not a bit, if you're a bit unsure about how you're meant to be feeling uh, towards the segment, what emotional they actually go for, just into the commentary, and they were like, "Oh, what a clever plan from Vandy! He's such a clever boy, isn't? Oh, Vandy, isn't Vandy so plan? He's so so clever. His plan worked again. He's so smart. Oh, clever Vandy. That that's the feeling. <laughs> I doubt there'll be any tension next week. If there is, there'd be a nice little surprise. I mean, I'll be proven wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, just screamed. Uh, yeah, cool thing happened. Like the cool thing. Uh, anyway, uh, Bobby Bob, Bobbily Lashes, promo in the ring. Oh, I knew as soon as I wrote that I won't be able to say it. <laughs> it's because uh, Jimmy had a little stutter where he called him Bobby Bob, Bobby Lashley. I was like, oh, I was writing Bobbily Lashes at that, that point. I've got to write him Bobby Bob now. <laughs> Meaning uh, at like midnight, I'm going to have to say Bobby Bob, Bobbily Lashes. And it's so, I did it that time. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> anyway. Why did he challenge Goldberg to a no-holds-barred no match? Bill said he'd use those rules to try and kill Bobby. Like, how is that professional behaviour? Let's <laughs> go for that. Like, I mean, yeah, Bobby has a point there. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Anyway, but that's why he choose, uh, chose no-holds-barred. At Crown Jewel, he's going to end Goldberg's career. Uh, the beat of this promo, the contents of this promo, was pure WWE to the point of just the absolute pacing of it screamed this will get what chance 
and it did. He got watch ads throughout, and he's like, yeah, fine, cool, ended. And he didn't miss anything from this promo, which is a shame, because I like Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I think he's great. But this was a generic WWE promo that didn't really add anything that last week. As in, what I would have personally done, because you've got matches going short on this show, cut this segment, air a video package on Goldberg Lashley. That would achieve so much more than the, en- the entrance of Bobby Lashley and this promo that didn't do anything. Just air a promo. He can even say some of these words in the promo. <laughs> like, why did you pick this promo? He can even do it around an interview, like recapping around, and he edited around an interview with Bobby Lashley. There were mo- way more interesting ways to get across this, and the remaining, t- remaining time from that, he could put into the women's matches. Or others, because there were other short matches on this show. <laughs> like, it's fine. Uh, anyway, moving on. I've got to move on. Jeff Hardy versus Austin Theory. And yeah, Austin following up on his decent debut. But the unfocused nature of Raw jumping in as the 24-7 title lads run into tease yet another NXT debut loss. Uh, but yeah, Austin rolls out of the Swanton way because the heel was on top. The, baddie, the 24-7 guys came in. And then it's the face who then tries to capitalise on the distraction, which is a weird backwards thing. But then Austin rolls up Hardy for the win. A weird backwards booking of it. But when you watch Raw, the focus jumps about all over the place. Like a more focused way to keep the energy of... A more forced way to keep the energy of the show up. Like not necessarily bad, but a little focus uh, doesn't hurt if you want me to care about these characters. (laughs) Just saying. Like an interruption takes the focus away and tells the viewer the in-ring competitors aren't that big a deal. They don't really matter. If they mattered, there'd be a heavy focus on them. Yeah, but there isn't one. So it doesn't really... Cool. It's a waste of time then. <laughs> it's cool. Anyway, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. The big match. Is this the final match I'm talking about as well? Yes, it is. Awesome. I get to end on this match. It's so much better than ending on other things. Because the match was great. But there's massive negatives to it. First off, but can they coexist? A storyline which, again, it's not storyline equals bad. It's storyline equals only storyline they know how to do, so they repeat it so incredibly often. For me, they burnt this card during the WrestleMania build where they did this exact Can They Coexist build for both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship matches going into WrestleMania. There was no variety. They were identical. <laughs> so it's just a bit of, I'm going to need a bit of time to recover from this. Uh, but again, the Can They Coexist role, and we had it earlier in the show with Drew and Bobby. It's like, uh, pure can they coexist? <laughs> it's become a meme now. <laughs> You've booked this exact story so incredibly often, it's just a meme at this point. It's not thing equals bad. Can they coexist? It's not inherently bad. But if you keep booking it again and again and again and again, it becomes a meme. That's all that's happened here. Just book it less often. It's fine. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's just used way too much and quite often whipped out in a lazy fashion. Which again, it's limbo until Crown Jewel. The, my big kind of thing here, even though they tried to get viewers in with this big match, yeah, just don't watch the shows until Crown Jewel's done. Absolutely no need to. Anyway, but in terms of Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, I don't know how they achieved it, but this this match both felt like a big deal and completely unnecessary at the exact same time. How do you do that? <laughs> how? Like, I'm just waiting for it to end in a schmoz because I know they don't want any of them to take a loss. It's the biggest... Like asterisk on this match. Four massive names. Awesome. I assumed it'd be the main event. It wasn't. A bit of a worry, but still, when they came out, it felt like a big deal. Um, but yeah, it was it was a shame, really. It just had that hanging cloud, and guess what? It ended in DQ. 
I was struggling to get invested in, isn't it again, an amazing tag match on paper, but they're giving it on a TV ahead of a match where they don't want anybody losing. So it has to end in a schmoz. So you know it's going to. And when it started beforehand with them all just fighting, like, yep, right out of the gate, Bianca and Sasha starting fighting over who starts the match. Uh, then the thing never officially begins, instead, instead descending into a full-on brawl uh, as the crowd lightly boo. Uh, I will say, I did pop for Davari putting Bianca away, just going, please stop fighting. <laughs> it didn't make me laugh. Uh, shout out to Davari. But yeah, but after that, the officials sorted out the match, sorting out all the shit as we return from ad break to the sight of the four of them wearing the expressions of scolded school children. Just like... Ugh. Uh, they, they, they told us off. We're gonna have to do the thing. I'm not happy about it, but I'm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, what is this? The type of thing that you'd never see the men treat like this. Uh, I mean, the big part of it as well, where part of what Sonia said, or was it Adam Pierce? Who cares at this point? <laughs> just saying, like, you were given the opportunity to show the world what you can do, and this is what you do with it. And I'm just like, but every one of these women have main evented WrestleMania. They're household names at this point. They have. Why are they still in this stage? Are they still in the stage of having to prove what they can do as women? The main event star talent. <laughs> like, these people are not people just like, oh, I really want to prove how good I can do, I can I can do, I can show good. No, these are big main event stars. <laughs> Established stars. <laughs> oh, it's insane. Uh, yeah, it's just, for me, that's a, like coming at this from a completely incorrect perspective. So, yeah, the women were at a point of time show, using the opportunities to show what they could do but now they're established stars they shouldn't it makes absolutely no sense to be talking to them as if they should they need to be thankful for these opportunities and really show what they can do they've already done this <laughs> they've already been through this beat why why are you talking about and maybe sort of completely misreading the social reading of it of what they've achieved just like, oh, well, when we start oppression, then this is what we said, so we're saying it still. No, a massive shift has, ha- shift has happened, you've not adjusted. Just a little bit of a breakdown there <laughs> in terms of uh, stuff. Anyway, but they're not, then the teams fall out and it ends in double DQ anyway. <laughs> so, hey! Uh, yeah, I was just waiting for it. Like, what a top-notch example of amazing wrestlers having my investment taken away because of uh, booking. Uh, anyway, Becky's standing on top in the end of Sasha and Bianca's break- breakdown. Because Charlotte felt the outside, so that the three in the ring are the three will be competing at Crown Jewel. So that's where the focus is currently. But you got Charlotte just on the periphery. Because whoever wins that match will be facing her at Survivor Series. And they've teased the idea of it being a double championship match. Which, personally, you can main event Survivor Series or something like that. I'd go for it. That's what I would do. Actually do it. Because the massive balancing problem they've had is that the... One of the divisions always feels way too thin. Most of the time it's just because they haven't pushed anybody. <laughs> There's no writing but kind of giving momentum to someone. But still, the division separately felt thin. Maybe it just makes sense that you do join the divisions up. If you're not going to do... If you're not going to join up Raw and SmackDown, and it, it, something tells me that this draft might not stick. Some, it remind, it's, so far it's reminding me, even though it's not properly gone through yet, and maybe it's just because we're in the limbo. But it's massively, massively reminding me of 2019, where the draft happened, and but they hadn't thought about it ahead of time. There's certain picks that just felt a bit weird and a little bit random. I think quite makes sense. So what they did was they just kept changing things, coming up with different reasons to feature talent on the shows they weren't on. 
kind of just little stuff thrown at the wall. Uh, look after draft picks, just seemingly sprinkling in as they f- fixed the draft. <laughs> they did they did updates to draft to, to fix fix the draft to code it correctly so it would run better. Um, it screams a bit of that. There's just something about this draft which feels like not every pick's been thought through. It doesn't quite make sense. And we're going to and something about it might not stick. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to be proven wrong, but part of it might be what happens with this women's division, where they suddenly decide to merge the titles, and then the division anyone from either Raw or SmackDown, beat men or women, can appear on the other show as their women. And that's part one of the brand breakdown, maybe. Because once you start doing that, it doesn't make any sense for the rest of the show to be separate. <laughs> when you get a whole division kind of bouncing back and forth. Uh, anyway, that's that. Yeah, personally, interesting idea to unify the titles, personally. And I think I'm looking at the way WWE are liking to book, and especially as they feel like they've got to load every show, especially Monday Night Raw, just kind of give it a loaded main event. The best way to achieve that is to not have a brand split, so that you can can utilise anybody. Uh, But yeah, we'll see, we'll see. see. Maybe it's not the best idea. (laughs) We'll see. And you were saying Fox want different things, and that makes it complicated as well. So maybe the brand split is the best way just to keep either side happy, or the happiest (laughs) with the current situation. Ah. But anyway, yeah, this was the show that was perfectly missable. Absolutely perfectly missable. Well, there's a tournament going on. It absolutely screams... That once the Saudi Arabia show is done, this will never be mentioned. Whoever wins these tournaments aren't getting any push. Maybe the men's winner might get a king gimmick. Maybe. But I don't know. <laughs> it just screams something that's going to happen at a Saudi show and just be forgotten about again. There is an example of the best in the world with Shane McMahon. So there is an example of something from the show that's actually carrying over. But again, like Goldberg beating the Fiend. It's been established anything can happen at a Saudi show. And it doesn't matter if it screws over your current product. Anything can happen. <laughs> and then, of course, you mix in just the... Oh, dear. <laughs> just the fact that this tournament itself was already... Like, Liv Morgan versus Carmelo was the big one. Because you have you have a heel winning in Selena Vega later. Well, it makes absolutely no sense for the other heel to also win. And match for also to be a nothing one to two minute match. <laughs> oh, dear. Ah, yes. That's what, yeah, it's it's that point of the year where I'm, I'm not watching these shows if I'm not covering this show for a website. And that's what I'm currently doing. Anyway, I need to turn this review into ending. <laughs> oh God, I'm so tired of laughing. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back next Tuesday for the Raw review. No AEW Dynamite review this week because it's airing on a Saturday. And before we came on this show. But also, uh, yeah, uh, I think Raw did a perfectly fine rating, as far as I know. There was a lower demo but it was a hundred percent like explainable and understandable uh, i can't remember what it was it might be baseball again or something else on as well as in a hundred percent expected nothing to worry about type of things like, oh the wrestling world dying no this is <laughs> it's a, something totally expected um but yeah before i came on there was a massive announcement of daniel uh, brian danielson versus minoru suzuki jesus christ on free on youtube before rampage this is for me this is making wrestling exciting as in smackdown going in to rampage by 30 minutes so in response they uh, they air a kickoff for rampage that's going to air for free and it's got an absolutely massive match so the fans can choose what they want to watch, and they can obviously watch both because it's the modern day internet age. This isn't the modern night wars. So, oh, which one do I choose to watch? Well, Suzuki Brian is on <laughs> YouTube, 
So you can easily have WWE on the telly and AEW on the internet. There's nothing stopping you watching both. <laughs> Just saying. Don't we stack their card and Vampire stacks their card? Why would you not want to watch both of them? It, unless one particular style massively turns you off and it's got absolute, and you don't judge it judge shows like that because you just can't watch one of them. Uh, yeah, it, uh, why would you not watch both? <laughs> both uh, both are having effort put into them. Therefore, you should expect decent things. Anyway, uh, so I'll be back on Tuesday. I can't review Dynamite because it's on a Saturday, uh, but I'm excited to watch the best thing is the point I was making. I don't... And of course, it's the G1 Climax. And I've got a ton of stuff happening in like outside of wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of wrestling. You know, they're all kicking up just when my time to watch it is just dwindling. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, also, I'm writing the uh, G1 Climax uh, Top 5 Matches of the Week. And we'll give you three MVPs for the week as well. I'm writing that with Jeremy Donovan of the Keeping It Strong Style podcast. And that is being uploaded on the Wrestling Headlines website. Uh, week I'm posting Week 3 tomorrow. So even though Week 4 has begun... Uh, I might integrate week four in the final week because it's like six shows left and this week there's only three shows so the top five might be a bit weak so maybe it just makes sense to just put the final two weeks together uh, but yeah so tomorrow I'll be posting week three of that column so look, look forward to that anyway you can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat the damn in damn also on Twitch at the implication of two S's then there's wrestling headlines that website itself there's Russell headlines that's wrestle with an E and of course uh, wrestling headlines on Facebook as well and the website itself wrestlingheadlines.net so with that I say thank you for watching liking engaging in any form any manner uh, always appreciated never taken for granted almost forgot the phrase I say at the end <laughs> and with that video adieu adios